Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another excellent episode of Inspiration Point. And we are here at the beginning of 2021 to welcome you guys to season two of Inspiration Point, episode one. So now I can start numbering our episodes normally again instead of doing that weird part one, part two nonsense I did with one episode last season. And uh, totally threw off my numbering scheme. Um, so uh, I needed to get past that. And I thought, you know what? New year, new season. And uh, and I'm Adam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Andrew. <laughs> Did you know See? I was here? <laughs> I, I, I can't. <laughs> I get you. I, I get it. It's fine. I'm sorry. I introed too hard. Yeah, you, you went for hard. it. You went I for did. It. I was, you, you know, know, new season. Take your time. Same energy. Kiss her first. Oh, that's bringing it back. 21. It back. It's 2021. That means that the uh, millennium is now old enough to drink. Oh, my gosh. I I just saw... I just saw um, someone... It might have... It might have been Spike shared something on Facebook today. It was like a like a retweet or something of this guy saying he had gone to the grocery store and was buying beer or something. And the guy checked the ID and he looked at the ID for just a second and handed it back. He's like, oh, it's cool. I see the one. And the guy's like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, the one at the beginning of your birth year. And the guy's like, oh. Because <laughs> apparently, just seeing the one as the first digit was sufficient yeah, now. to tell how freaking old you are. Oh my yep. god! Yep, that's that's easy. We're old. Yep, I feel old. Yeah, I mean, you know, my daughter is as tall as many adults. You know, like she, I mean, short oh. short adults, but I mean, you Still. know, she's a little bean sprout. I. Uh, She's so tall and she is just, she's starting talking about, you know, big person things and, oh, geez. you know, she's started doing makeup the other day. That was a weird feeling, you know? Whoa. Man, so, I, things I are moving. can't even, I can't even imagine. I'm not ready for that. Well, you know, it doesn't take very long, you know, that one day you, you're looking at them and they're just doing silly things and, you know, asking you to throw them around the house or around the pool or whatever and then the next day they're like looking you in the eye almost jeez oh, i don't i'm sure that won't be the case for my kids i'm sure it won't well you're pretty tall be, so be the same <laughs> oh my god no so my anyway um i've uh, i've had a good time this week thanks for asking and uh i we just get rambling and i can't get to <laughs> first you don't introduce me then you don't tell I, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another excellent episode <laughs> of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam, but it's too late now, so it's oh, fine. It's okay, I, Andrew. I'm trying you'll, to get the feeling back. You'll 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 make it up to me. I I don't know that I will because because uh I I'm glad you've been doing well, but I'm I fear that I'm about to make you be doing like a lot worse. Oh no, um, why is that? Cuz I I I have something that's 
been weighing on my heart and on my soul that I need to confess to you. Oh, here um, we go. And I, this is very difficult for me to say, but mm-hmm. I just within the past like week or two, I just finished the final season of Boston Legal mm-hmm. for the for for the first time. For the first time, <laughs> is that is that real? Really? Yes. I'll, I'll be honest. I, it's actually kind of understandable. I really. Yeah, it actually took me a little while to finish it. I remember that um, when I back when that was a show, I was watching it on like NBC's website. Oh, and that's, and that's how I was like finishing it off. And then they changed the cast, and there was something weird. I don't remember exactly what it was, but like you couldn't watch it um, streaming anymore for a while, oh. and I. I had to like finish it later. I think it was. I I don't remember exactly what the circumstance was, but I I do remember that it got a little funky. Yeah, like I I that was a long time ago. Yeah, I remember that. That's when Hulu was brand new. Yeah, brand new. And I thought, what's that? That's not going to catch on. No commercials. Oh, yeah, and that's that back when the- it was no commercials. Yes. And then you could pay to have the commercials removed. And now you have to pay extra to really, really have them removed. Oh, my gosh. I was watching something on Hulu last night. And there was there were four commercial breaks during the course of the show. And most of them were at least four commercials. One of them was seven. I'm like, what am I watching normal TV again? <laughs> and I'll, I'll be honest, the the final season of Boston Legal is is not the strongest. It's it a lot of the cast isn't there anymore. Uh, yeah. They started experimenting with some new characters. They're not great. Um, I Renee Aubergeois leaves. Uh, the only fun thing is that Danny and Alan get married, oh, and that's it. That made me so happy. Yeah, it's a great so, ending, you know. It's uh, it's really good. But the season itself is was kind of yeah. It was fine, but you know. It was hey, I had a, but again, I had we're a the, great freaking time. I'm pretty sure we're the only two people that play D&D that also know about Boston Legal, right? Not now. Now there's probably <laughs> like 6 or 12. <laughs> It'd be like 18. Something like that. Like maybe 18. maybe. Uh, you know. Yeah. So anyway, which from two, that's that is a meteoric rise. So let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons, or some sort of TTRPG, or, or perhaps a topic related to it. <laughs> I do, I do enjoy those. Uh, oh, good. From, from from time to time, I oh, do partake in the odd TTRPG. Uh, good. A B C D E F G. So <laughs> let's. Let's jump in unless you got some shenanigans to, so to talk Andrew about. So Andrew is I'm- stalling because every time we talk about D&D now, it makes him think about Curse of Strahd and he's very nervous about starting. So he feels like he has to stall in all cases. I to- That's... <laughs> How are you going to just put me on blast like that? <laughs> what can I say? I know you, right? Yeah. And so... At this yeah. point, like even in our game last night, I was like, he's not milking the ending. He's trying to prevent Curse of Strahd from coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I was not. I swear. <laughs> you know, I but swear. it's okay. You know, once you once you start going, once the session runs, once the first die rolls made, you know, a lot of those jitters will go away, and you'll be okay. And I and I think that's something to say to to all GMs because even as an experienced GM. You know, someone has been doing it a long time. There is something very nerve wracking about session one. Yeah. And it's a little bit scary, especially if uh, it's not the same group. I mean, at least for Stride, you'll have pretty much all the same players except one. Yeah. Um, But otherwise, you know, it can be a little bit nerve wracking, even with brand new players. And teaching the game to new players is a particularly interesting challenge, I find. And that is our inspiration point for this evening. And that was a silky smooth segue. Silky smooth Very segues good. are my specialty. As, as, <laughs> mm, what if, I wonder if there's an actual segue like scooter that's that smooth. That'd be, oh, man. I'm going to ride one of those. The almond milk of segues. Mm, almond milk of segues. I'm pretty sure that is a, uh, a comparison that is never been made and never will be made ever again well the two don't often go together but i'm willing to try it if starbucks offers it um that's true so So, anyway teaching uh, the game and teaching rpgs maybe in general so i have a uh, couple of interesting challenges uh in my life that have have cropped up so one is teaching my my 10 year old how to play dungeons and dragons for the first time which i have to say i'm very envious of like, yeah. I can't wait to be able to play with my kids. That's going to be so fun. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I, I bought all these extra fourth edition players handbooks for that very purpose that like one mm. day I would pass this on. And then fifth ed came out and I was like, ah, I like this more. So yeah. now we've got like several PHBs kind of floating around. I Gosh, they were so pricey. But yeah. they are, not going to lie, pretty quality books that present a pretty quality game. So you grin and bear it. Hey, you know I'm I'm gonna, uh, uh you know, cue the hate mail. Right? You know, everyone's gonna have a strong opinion about that either way. Uh, but fourth ed was not that bad. No, not at all. And and uh, I was actually pleased. I I had a little exchange on the fourth uh, or on the fifth ed uh, Facebook group about the the qualities of fourth edition and and mm. it was it was quite nice there were definitely a lot of like sort of boorish look how um oh much sure. smarter i am than you sort of comments you know sort of just elitism being oh there's being passed what, around like fifty nine thousand members on that facebook group or yeah, something like that inevitable. like of course you're gonna get some it's inevitable but by and large you know people there were a few things that they you know, people were like, we like this, but ultimately we like fifth edition better. And I think that it's like kind sure. of the main, you know, consensus. And, and, you know, it's, hey, it's a rule set. Just borrow whatever you need. Yep. But And if you like fourth ed, uh, contrary to popular belief, you're not actually a bad person. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're not you a are bad person. Still, you're still worthy of love, um, despite what anyone else may have told you. Let me, let me tell you something. Today, I also was teaching some new players about how to do a role-playing game in general, like how to just participate in this experience. And so before I even got- Cooperative storytelling. Yeah, cooperative, you know, and just 
um, just giving them the basics. And I, and I gave them a scenario where I gave them some very simple characters. I said, okay, think of, think of two things that you're good at, that your character's good at. And this could be like a magic spell. This could be, I'm amazing at swords. I could be good at talking, anything you want, just mm. anything. I don't care if it's the most bananas thing, right? And they picked like a couple of things. And I said, now pick two items you have, two special tools that you have. And they mm. said, okay. And they just were able to can't come up with anything. I have a magic sword. I have a, a bow. You know, I have a sniper rifle. I don't care. Mm. Um, and then the last thing I said was now pick a, a deep character flaw your character has, a, a, a horrible weakness. Mm. And then they, they all picked that. And then I presented them with, with a scenario and I said, there's an ogre sitting in the middle of the road. You need to get through the road. What do you mm. do? And, you know, to their credit, they were like, I observed the situation. I want to see like what's going on. And I, you know, I want to see what it wants. Like that was like a question that one of the characters asked was I asked him what he wants. Hmm. And so, you know, I was kind of doing like a, a, a lion, a, a, a thorn in the lion's paw kind of thing. Right. So he's got like this dagger sticking out of him and he's like, he can't reach it. Mm. And, uh, so they like say, well, I try to remove it. And I say, well, is that something your character's good at? I said, well, I'm a good, I'm a good thief. That's, that was the skill I gave myself. I said, okay, mm. it works. There you and, go. And then they said, okay, cool. And, and they, all the players, I had like three volunteers and they all decided to do it. And they all contributed to basically getting through this encounter in a sort of friendly and uh, nonviolent way, which was kind of cool. Nice. And then I said, okay, let's rewind it. Let's redo the scenario. But now we're mm. going to introduce probability. And I said, just looking around in your house for like a six-sided die, right? Just, you know, open up a game board, steal a die from there. Mm. Like, anything you can find. You could, Here's a website link. Go roll random dice. Mm -hmm. And they came back and they're like, all right, I'm ready. I've got my die. And I said, okay, now try to do the same things. But this time, there's going to be a possibility that something else happens, right? Mm. And so, depending on how hard or easy or if it was something that they had chosen to have a skill in, I set, like, my difficulty rating at somewhere between one and six, right? Roll five mm -hmm. or better to win. Right. And that was the entire game system. <laughs> That's it, kind of nice. Yeah, it was, like, that was the easiest, simplest thing. And then you could tell, and mind you, this whole thing was in a Google Hangouts call. Sure. Yeah. And you could tell there was a lot more tension, a lot more excitement. Yeah. That the encounter with the ogre changed. They ended up having to kill it because mm. it, it, it attacked them after a couple of botched rolls. Um, and I That'll said, happen. okay, in which scenario did you enjoy more? And it was unanimous. They all enjoyed the second scenario more because they felt like they had more autonomy. Sure. And because they felt more tension and more drama. And that, you know, yeah. and that kind of touches on our on the older episode we had, where we talked about uh, randomness. You talked that was your topic was random. Yep, and that plays such a huge role. So then we then we kind of like made characters that were a little bit more complex, and this is all going to lead to me showing them how to use like roll twenty, how to fully build out a Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition character, you know, sure. how to how to run a game, you know. We're going to do all of it. That's a big, that's a big jump. It's a big I mean, jump, but and how, I have nine weeks to do it. How old are these kids usually? 
they're high school age because I am teaching a Dungeons and Dragons high school class at the charter school where I work. That's so freaking cool. Are, yeah, is, it's pretty is it, cool. Is it a is it a varied age range? Like, do you have freshmen through seniors or? Yeah, it's it's varied because it's a fine art. Okay, so and you yes, can have- I did swing that, <laughs> dude. That's huh. Because I Man aligned skills. it with the state's um, theater standards. Boom. And now, uh, that worked out pretty well. That either says something excellent about you or something awful about the theater standards. <laughs> no, I think it's more about like standards in general are just sort of vague. Mm. And if there's not an exam that they need to answer specific questions to, then it's what it, it is what it is. Mm. So, you know, it gives you some very vague instructions that are applicable, I find. Yeah. And mind you that this this hobby does comprise a lot of theater things. And it's no surprise that a lot of theater people have played it or enjoy it or play regularly. And if you haven't listened to the final episode of last season, uh, Drama Class with our special guest, Nate Stamper, Go do that because we talk all about that. Yeah, absolutely. And he had some in- incredible insights. I thought they oh, were man. great. We're going to have him back on the show. Him and his sultry voice. <laughs> so I uh, had a really good time and I felt like most of the students had a good time. Of course, there's always going to be a couple that are just like basically not there. Uh, a couple. Of I'm actually just- a little surprised at that. I, I would think that this would be more of a kind of a unique situation that could potentially pull everyone in. But yeah, I guess. Well, you would like to, but it, you know, I think it's just one of those things. You just can't please all the people all the time. Right. And, and, you know, I could have my class be, we do nothing but eat chocolate and I guarantee someone would drop it. You know, not a fan. Right. They just dark. I mean, I also do a competitive gaming class and kids drop it, you know, because well, you know it's whatever there's no accounting for taste right like the, if they don't if it doesn't interest them it doesn't interest them right so. right yeah that's that's true that's true different strokes but i didn't i didn't want to discourage anyone from playing and and i cuz i thought okay some students will not be interested but i might be able to rope in a couple of them anyway and and mm. open them up to this world that they might be have not expected, right? And that'll be well, great. and that's the that's the dream, right? You, you know, if you get one kid hooked, it's like you know, super, super awesome. Like somebody who just so, I can't imagine being in that position where of like just discovering this stuff again. Like th- that's an amazing thing to think about. Yeah, and it's interesting to watch. You know, a few of them actually have their cameras on, which is helpful. And uh, and you get to see them, you know, react, you know, ha- mm. watch them emote to things. And that's really nice. Uh, some of them are just typing, um, you know. So, let me. And a, cu- let, and a couple were basically ghosts. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah. So, here's a question. Did what things, if anything did did folks seem to have trouble with or you know a- any degree of trouble were were there any things that presented some 
degree of difficulty as far as them kind of understanding it or that sort of thing, stumbling blocks, anything like that. Honestly, it's weird, but no, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really notice anything yet. Now, I think that come next week, I would have a different answer for you because we'll mm. start getting more into the nitty gritty. Yeah. But today was all about because I have more time with them. Sure. The the today was all about what is a TTRPG? What is what does this activity even look like? What is mm. this class going to be about? Yeah. Like, because this, I mean, I put this class together like a week ago mm. and uh, most of the lesson plans aren't written yet. Sure. And, and so it's never been done before, at least on our campus. I'm sure someone out there has done something similar to this at some point. I don't um, know. It'd be in, it, it would be interesting to actually hunt down, you know, whether or not someone has actually managed to do a, like a, an RPG class like that's I don't imagine it's very common. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of what's probably game design classes out there. I assume mm. that someone's done it right, at least mm. at the charter level, mm. because charter schools are kind of like um, community colleges in that if anyone's vaguely qualified, they can give give a crack at it. Right. <laughs> so nice. it's. Not to like lambast the system. It's, I mean, you still know more than a high schooler, but at the same time, like who, who doesn't, you get to experiment with a lot of things and you get to have <laughs> that, fun. So that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. And it's awesome that they're, um, that they were, that they were game, no pun intended for, <laughs> for, uh, helping you make this a reality. Like this is it, what a cool opportunity. Yeah, I was pretty happy about it. I, I, it was exciting to, to try it out. So anyway, um, I've got nine weeks with these kids to teach them about this genre. My goal is to have them at least on a couple of different weeks, just running on their own where there's no lesson. Mm. You know, it's literally like, okay, you're, you're a group. So if you've ever hated group work in high school, like maybe you would like this. One of you is the GM, four or five of you are players, you know, there you go. And, and you play a simple game and you just like do a one shot for the class or like a week long kind of game. Mm. So I have like nice. a couple of weeks there where we do that. And because uh, I would love to just like if I had six kids or even like eight kids, I would say, OK, listen, I'm in a GM. You're all going to play. We're just going to play. And that's how you're going to learn, because that would yeah. be probably the best thing to do to just teach them the game. Like if that's the goal, mm. uh, but I have like 15 or 16 kids. Oof. And, and so that would be a big game. Yeah, um, it would. Luckily I do have one student in there who is already very familiar with the game and plays it often. So I may be able to leverage his help depending on how reliable he ends up being. There you go. That'd so that be might very be nice. cool. Yeah. So, so I think it's it's worth looking into um for anyone who's uh who's listening I'm sure there's there's no one but um what what do we think are the things that are most fundamental in terms of learning how to play like 
Are there even mm-hmm. maybe some back to basics things that maybe we as experienced uh, players mm-hmm. forget about and things that maybe if you were, if you're teaching someone, assume they're, we're, uh, we're assuming that the person is interested. Right. Um, yeah. Because yeah. If, if they're not feeling it, freaking forget about it. Yeah, but, yeah, barring like an actual effort to resist learning, sure. Yeah, we'll yeah. assume cuz that's true for anything. But yeah. um I mean this was a question I essentially tried to answer with the first uh um class today, but mm-hmm. I definitely am interested in your feedback here. But I think some of the most fundamental things are just understanding, you know, creating a very simple character that doesn't have all the bells and whistles. I think you could easily, I think it might be too much for a lot of people to do like all of fifth ed in one sit down, you know, like I did that with my daughter the first time I tried to teach her things. How'd that go? When we first rolled up her druid. I could tell she was into it for about half an hour to an hour. You got some eye glaze going on. And we got some eye glaze. And then a lot of it's just filling in. There's Mm -hmm. like getting all the like little dice values but the the thing was, is all of that stuff is sort of unimportant to the experience itself. Like, yeah. it adds to the depth, I would say. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't add to, like, what is this game? What is it? Yeah. What does it feel like? And what they need to do is have some sort of characterization. They need to understand what it is to play a different persona mm-hmm. in whatever fashion that is. And then they need to, you need to introduce some method of randomness Mm. and and then i think that you need to just play yeah that's the other thing and as long as there's conflict you have at least a scenario you don't have to have like a built-out story or tutorial level sure if you do great but even if you just do something simple like the tax collectors come around your mother is sick you don't have any money the taxes are too high what do you Mm. do yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I feel like it's, um, it's kind of like virtual reality in, mm-hmm. in a way, um, like, uh, I've gotten, I've gotten Oculus Rift and, um, and, and you do too now. Uh, and, but I remember when I first got it, it was so cool. And you're, you're experiencing games in a way that is, where you just want to tell people about it and you do, but there's no real way that you can fully convey yeah. the experience. It's, it ultimately boils down to, you just got to freaking try it. And once well, you try it, yeah, it, it, it gives you a completely different perspective mm-hmm. that someone telling you about the thing just could never really give you. And I feel like this is kind of the same sort of thing. Like you can tell oh, these kids all about it, but yeah. sit down, just roll some dice. I'm going to put you in a scenario and just go with your gut and see how it feels. And then yeah, you get it. Some kids do thrive on, on, uh, I say kids, some people thrive mm. on front loaded information, but I would say most of us don't. Right. And, you know, like with a with a uh, board game. Yes. If, if no one knows how to play and I have the instruction manual, like, oh, my gosh, that is a challenge. 
Yeah, um, teaching a, it's hard. Teaching a board game is very hard. I'll almost Especially immediately go to YouTube one. and try to watch yep. someone play. Yep. Right. Or something or have someone at least explain it. But like, have you ever sat down and the other person just starts reading the rules at you? I, I have been that person and it's, and it, and it feels being that person feels awful, but usually you're doing it because you're like, that's all I can do. Um, mm. but one actually, um, the, uh, the streaming and if channel. If you don't know the rules, then you might need to. Yeah. And the the streaming channel and uh podcast Shut Up and Sit Down um actually did a while back like the the top ten rules for how to teach games. Mm. And I mean they they typically are are obviously focused on board games, not really RPGs, but I think a lot of their advice still applies. And one of the top ones they say is know the rules beforehand. So if you're going to teach it, do not try to teach a game un unless it's an incredibly simple game. But if it's like a strategy game or something, do not try to teach a game that you don't already know, because then you will wind up being the person who's sitting there reading out of the book or as has happened to me I've had a lot of times where I'm trying to learn a new game with some folks and I'm reading out of the rules and I'm not really understanding what I'm reading and I'm aware that I'm not understanding I'm like wait that doesn't really make sense so not only am I reading these rules at people but what I'm reading to them the person reading is like, even they are like, oh, I don't know. And they're backtracking and stuff. And I mean, talk about a good way to just lose people. Like, oh, yeah. Well, if you're not engaged. Idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people want to be engaged constantly. And, it, and, and it's true whether or not you're talking about games or anything where you're trying to convey information to somebody else. Right. Like, you know, even if you're in science class, like they can explain like the bonds and the neutrons and like I'm going to pretend like I even understand any of that. <laughs> but you they need to. But there's a reason why these classes have labs, right? At, at some point, yeah. you got to get up and you got to put the thing in the beaker or whatever. Yep. You know, and you got to do your measurements and, and weigh and record your results. You have to walk through it. And I think that that's so important to to being it's able to learn information. Fire. For that matter, you know what I would love if board games would release, um, like when you open the box, why isn't there like four copies of the rules? Print Like, cost. I guess to save money, but, but wouldn't, but it would be so nice if you could be like, okay, I don't know how to play. You don't know how to play. Here you go. Here's your copy. Let's, uh, let's meet back up in a couple, you know, 20 minutes and see what we, what we figured out. Right. And I think that that would be really helpful. Of course, now you could just probably go on the website. There's usually like a link to like read the rules here or whatever. I've but I've seen so many games now that uh, that literally will have printed on the front cover of the rules. It will say in huge letters, stop. And then below it will be a QR code. It will say scan this to watch a video of a video walkthrough of how to play this because even board game manufacturers and publishers now are like having pe people just want to jump in and just handing them a rule book 
sometimes which can be like 40, 50 pages thick for some of these bigger strategy games. They're like, what's the quickest way to get people doing the thing? And yeah, video has been a huge help. Um, one of one of the other things that uh, I think Shut Up and Sit Down mentioned that I thought was very, very sharp was, you know, how we we've talked about like um, in party talk and stuff like that. Like, what are people most interested in? Generally, it's themselves. How do I relate to what's going on? What does all this mean to me? Why is this important? Why do I care? So when it comes to teaching a board game, and I also think that's how it relates here, is you explain to them who they are. Who are you? What What is your role in all this? You're a you're a merchant trying to collect the most resources in this city before the other players do. You're you're a merchant who's trying to make a bunch of freaking money. Like that's something that somebody can identify with. Um, so that's a really good point. And I want to jump on that really quick because the 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 first thing I did with this class was like an icebreaker. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and just like, you know, t- say what your name is, you know, and, and but I said, share your favorite, you know, sci-fi action slash horror flick or or a TV show and tell me your favorite character in that show mm. and why they're your favorite. Why do they resonate with you? Mm. And and I, I think I had to define resonate, but that's OK. Um, did then, you did you get any weird answers like any it did particularly get a few, surprising ones? I did get a few unexpected answers. Um, you know, some people just couldn't come up with an answer, which was surprising. Mm. Um, like it was too difficult for them to think about why they like something. Mm. Um, but okay, we'll work on that, I guess. Uh, but I talked about like the Mandalorian and I, yeah. I, and I wanted to share with them how I felt about Dinjaro and how the show was essentially about a dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's why oh, we absolutely. like it, you know, and uh, I'm trying to think of somebody who talked about Rick Grimes from uh, Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Um, somebody shared a character from a musical, but I couldn't remember what the musical was. Wow. Um, but then they kind of went into some depth as to why they cared about this person. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Somebody talked about Anakin Skywalker and and wow. why why that story was was important to him um i did have some people go can i talk about video games and i said yeah sure because some of you just don't know much else and sure that, that's okay um but you know video games are you know they have a lot of compelling characters and so why not yeah sure i mean god and, you look at games like like the last of us and stuff like oh sure yeah you, you get you definitely get some good ones the new kratos oh man Oh gosh, I hated Kratos before. I yeah. I I despise the God of War series. Yeah. Um because it I felt like it was just hitting upon like the worst presuppositions we make about gamers. Yeah. And milking it and gamers going for it. Yeah. And 
proving the point. And for you know, God of War Four is like an actual story. Yeah. Oh, it's, um, it's it's so good. I mean, we don't need to dive down that rabbit hole, but man, no. I I love the new Kratos. It's so cool. But part of that icebreaker Boy. was basically to talk about emotional resonance. Yeah. And, you know, when we talked about dialogue in that episode, mm-hmm. you know, there's basically there is dialogue and there's exposition. Yep. And when we're looking at teaching people something, they want dialogue, but you have to give them exposition. But they don't want exposition. Uh, it's freaking hard. <laughs> and so you have to give them exposition a line at a time. You have to give them a little bit and try it and a little bit and try it, right? So, in teaching, we have this thing called scaffolding, right? And if you think of a physical scaffold, it's like that. So, whatever I teach you, we build on that thing that I taught you and we move on to the next thing. And that incorporates the thing that you just did and so on, right? So, if you want to teach people any system, no matter what system, you know, I would recommend getting the most important things are. And let me tell you what I think are the most important things in fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. It's the personality trait, the bond, the flaw, and the ideal. Yep. And a D20. Yep. That's it, man. If you do nothing else, that is step one. And that is something I had them do. And right away, even with just that much, they could, you know, they started thinking of characterizations. They started filling in the gaps. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it gives you so much that you can work with. Uh, the next thing I talked about was ability scores. Mm. And, you know, without tying them to much, but I use the analogy of the tomato, right? Like, yeah, all the different things you can do with a tomato, you know, strength is being able to crush a tomato. Dexterity is dodging tomatoes that are thrown at you or juggling them. You know, intelligence is knowing the tomatoes are fruit and wisdom is knowing not to put Tomatoes and fruit salad. Right. <laughs> Constitutions being able to eat a rotten tomato. Right. Charisma is being able to is being able to sell a fruit salad with tomato in it as salsa. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's sell I, me I, this I freaking pen. I freaking love that. It's so good. Uh, yeah. And that's good stuff. So they all get behind that. And I, and I just gave them an array and I said, okay, you don't know what these numbers mean, but 16 is high and eight is low. So 16, 14, 14, 12, 10, eight, those are your stats and just assign them where you want them to go. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. And, and I have to say, I've, I've come to enjoy rolling stats, but at the same time, like I thought for a tutorial, it was nice for them to meaningfully prioritize their stats, like where they oh, yeah. and and to try to do that quickly. Yep. Yeah. So. It, oh my god that that is something that I've that I've found I I have always struggled with it, especially if you have a character concept in mind, and you feel it can feel so hard to make the ability scores match the vision in your head. Like it always feels like at least one or two things that feel important where you just can't get the numbers to, to quite fit. That's something that I, that I've always struggled with. Yeah. I mean, but I think you're also inclined to roll up powerful, very self-sufficient characters that don't need a lot of help. Yeah. Um, you know, which would make great 
characters for like a video game, right? Like, or, or some yeah. place where they can have an adventure on their own. Yeah. But it, you know, it's, it's helpful to try to bend your vision to the limitations of the game. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Because I think that makes you creative in a way you don't expect, because I think the first thing we, th- we think of to make is essentially a copy of another existing character. And even within right. the bounds of the game, we still kind of do. Yeah. You know, my character is basically Mandalorian, but he's, uh, you know, in the fantasy world, but he's a bounty yeah. hunter that wears a helmet. Right. And I, he's real I mean, tough, but he has a soft spot for kids. You know, what, what do they say? You know, there, there's nothing new under the sun. Like anything right. you try to do, chances are it has been done before. I mean, the, the shoot, the bare naked ladies made a song all about that. Um, Good song, by the way. Uh, so you can get like a Rob Liefeld character that has essentially no weaknesses and, you know, their neck is bulging out of their body and it really makes no sense. They have like a 16 pack, <laughs> you know, and they can hack computers and drive fast. And why do their you know, ribs have biceps? I don't understand. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> the feet are poorly drawn, you know, whatever. Um but compare it to, you know, I keep talking about the Mandalorian because the last season was so good, but, oh, was good. Uh, but like Din Djaro, like there's a lot of stuff he's not good at. Even when it comes to fighting, he still loses other than the fact that like, he's got amazing armor. He would probably have died a long time ago. Well, if you um, have that kind of armor, of course you're going to rely on it. Right. You're going to make different decisions. Sure. Right. You know, but I'll he gets the hit. pummeled a lot. He suffers a lot. He loses stuff. He sure equipment doesn't work. His ship, it, you know, malfunction. Then it blows up. You know, spoiler. <laughs> he can't. He he's not a hacker. He he can't like. He he does. Know, he needs other people to he help needs him other with people. Stuff. But all of these things help make him interesting because it's hard to relate to a Liefeld character. Yeah, that's why that's the only true. one that we really know about is Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but other than that, like, it's easier to relate to to a, a character who can't do certain things because we can't do a lot of things. Right. And that helps those things become, you know, relatable. So anyway, so, uh, you know, I've kind of spelled out a few things I think are essential. So mm-hmm. what are some of the other things that you think are essential? Is there anything else that needs to be there? You know, what else would you do in this scenario where you're like, okay, day one, here's what a TTRPG is. Cool. Well, I think, I think, I think you're right in, uh, in basically saying, you know, day one, here's what a tabletop role-playing game is basically leaving the math out because really all that is is paintball you know it versus cops and robbers when you're a kid all all the dice or re- I, sh- I shouldn't necessarily say the dice but all the numbers are there for is to is to make an objective uh threshold for whether you did or did not do something that's that's uh that's why paintball is you don't have arguments where when you're playing cops and robbers, you did bang, bang. Oh, I got you. No, you didn't. 
uh-uh, right uh-huh, uh-huh. right exactly paintball you got paint on you it happened you yeah, know but we you, see it you roll the dice you know if you have to roll a 13 or higher and you roll a 12 you rolled the 12 end yep. of discussion move end on end of discussion yeah exactly so um but, you know, there's always an objective standard you can check. Like, is that, right. you know, according to the rules? Okay, let's look it up, whatever. Right. You have some uh, some point of reference. So, I, uh, I wouldn't say get rid of math, but I would say greatly boil it down. Like, oh, show sure. them one thing they can do. Like, okay, here's the here's the D20. Roll yes. it. Yes. If, if, you, if you picked skill that you're good at, add four, add five, whatever. And if you picked... If you're trying to do something you're weak at, do minus two, you know, whatever. It's very, very simple. But don't go through, I would say, the the full shebang unless you've got a few hours and they're really high. Right. Well, and and that and I I definitely agree that that stuff is important. I'm not saying yeah. leave math out entirely. I'm just saying maybe it's not necessary on day one. Where no. really what you're trying to do is, A, if they're not totally hyped up, you want to get them hyped up. Get exactly, them freaking yeah. pumped on this. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to sit down. You're going to have a cool character. And you are going to be able to try to do whatever you want. You're going to be able to engage your imagination and try within reason pretty much anything you can think of and and feel yeah. like a real adventurer or a mm-hmm. real uh participant in a story and and show the difference between the role playing game medium and the other forms of entertainment uh that we typically enjoy movies books video games television all four of those kind of maybe with the exception of video games a bit but generally all of those are relatively passive you you have a story or a product that someone has created and has defined the boundaries of how you can interact with this thing movies books and tv you are literally completely passive. You cannot affect this at all. Video games, you can affect it a bit, but within some pretty strict parameters, right. depending on how sure. ambitious the game is, of course. But with an with a tabletop RPG, it is utterly unique in that you have, depending on how adaptable your GM is, but... Yeah, I was about to say, that's your big limit. Yeah, right. all, all things... But all things being equal, you know, assuming you have a a pretty capable GM, you the sky's the freaking limit. Um, yeah, but the but it's also important to point out that there are limitations, right? Which I sure. think is is maybe a difference that's worth pointing out. Which is, and this is a difficulty I've had um, with one person I've been trying to teach the game. Uh huh. <laughs> where. I think you know who I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> who thinks that they can do anything. Like when I said, you know, do whatever you can imagine. It, so go it took me very challenging. It took me really accepted. literally. And so 
I would say it's your turn, and they would name like five things they were doing. I cast Spirit Bomb. It's not that game. <laughs> you know, like, or they just say, you know, I do this, and then this happens instead of saying like I try to do whatever. Yes, and that right? that's a that's a very common new player mistake to like I I blank. No, 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 no. I try to blank, and and then another roll. Yeah, exactly. And a, and another player I had started narrating what other characters were doing. Yep. And then I was like, wait, wait, wait. You cannot control the, the rest of the world. You Don't take yourself. my job. <laughs> so I realized I had made a mistake there where I had said, you know, do whatever you want. That's not enough direction. You, so you, you do have what, to set expectations. That's true. Y- yeah. So you don't say do anything. You say, okay, here's the task you need to, uh, you know, accomplish. And I think it's good to bake your tutorial into your narrative, if at all possible. So if I was sitting down sure, again with a, with a group of people, I would probably start with an almost video gamey tutorial. But honestly, any story often does this. So let me, to explain yeah. myself, what I've, what I've written for my next session for my family is they're in town. The essentially guild leader is going to give them a certain amount of gold and is going to tell them to accomplish like five different chores while they complete the, you know, research for their next mission. Mm. And, you know, so the guild leaders basically testing their honesty, but also their ingenuity, their ability sure. to, to adapt because she's intentionally not given them enough. Uh, so, so the money that they are given is very clearly like money that is to be put to work. Like I need, you know, when your mom sends you to the grocery store, she gives you the list, she gives you 20 bucks. This is not, I'm paying you 20 bucks and go steal the food. Like this is to accomplish what I'm asking you to do. Yes. So, you know, for instance, you know, and they, and she probably expects some change back. Right. And you, and that's a moral question of whether or not she gets that change back. You know? Oh, it was an even 20 mom. I swear. It was an even 20. Um, it was actually more, but I talked him down. Um, Where'd you get that gumball you're <laughs> chewing on? What? <laughs> so, um, so uh, for, for one of the things that they're going to have to do in this tutorial level is uh, repair the training dummies in the yard. Hmm. Um, and so they have to go buy um, stuffing and cloth from the like clothier vendor. Um, that vendor is uh, got a problem that they need solving so they can pay full price or offer to do the extra help, you know, in exchange for the goods. You know what right. you ought to have too is uh, have is somewhere in their in their path, maybe not at the clothier, but somewhere have an actual vendor who has fully functional training dummies for sale and have mm. them like explicitly out of their price range where they go, oh, we could just maybe we could just buy them new training dummies. Oh God, these are like a hundred gold a piece or something like. And then that would be a that would be a good like moral question, but let me let me get to the second part, sure. which is important, which is if they negotiate price that gets them to roll a check. 
mm-hmm. right? So they have to roll persuasion. If if the vendor like is, oh my old eyes, I can't find my thing, <laughs> then they get to make a, a perception roll to see if mm-hmm. they can find it or investigation. Um, you know, or this person is from this area, roll history, and now they mm-hmm. aren't understanding why history is important. Well, you have this insight that this thing happened where they came from. And now if you mention it, they'll like you. Yep. Um, so then once they get the materials, they can come back. Then we learn about tool proficiencies. Like maybe one of you can do it instead of paying to have someone form, you know, stitch the dummy together. Yep. It's like, oh, I have clothier's tools or tailor's tools, whatever. It's like, okay, well, let me show you how that works. There and you now go. They're, now they're learning how to make that. And so they're filling out their sheet as they go. Like maybe not, don't even give them weapons, right? Oh like yeah, you got to go. F- like okay, now that you've brought back the training dummy, let's give them, let's give them a whirl, right? Here's so, some wooden weapons. Go, go ham. Now, would you pick a sword or an axe? Which you know, which one? Right. And then they go, okay, I I pick this one. Well, this is the damage value. So let's go ahead and add that to your sheet, and everyone do that at the same time. And then, of course, then they have to walk over and hit the training dummy. Mm. And then we learn about attack rolls and armor class. Right. And I, I, this, this makes me think, um, I recently read something small about, um, teaching RPGs to like kids or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. and I did read something, uh, interesting in that where they're like, all they really need to know is is what their role is in the story and what the and a, tell them about the d20 like you mentioned and everything else leave it out until mm-hmm. they want to do a thing then as right. they do the thing you address that thing because now they're opting into that complexity right and and they they have they have a very there's application there already. Like there, you're not just saying, "Oh, and if you need to persuade someone, you roll a persuasion check." Well, what? But if they're like, "I want to get this guy to do something," now they they have a very clear, practical reason to want to understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's that's exactly right. And the same thing is true, by the way. Even with experienced players, when you're delivering exposition, mm. be- because when you're delivering exposition, you're essentially giving them world tutorial. You're you're doing yeah. an info dump. Yeah. And so if you if you give them everything, you might be very excited about that, and I get that. But at the same time, if your players are not actively engaged, they'll they'll have a difficult time keeping up with you, and you might be disappointed when they don't remember all the details. Right. Well, or, you know, e- even if they are engaged, sometimes um, I, I know like myself, um, like I am not the, the world's quickest note taker. Um, and, you know, y- you feel like a jerk if you're like, hold on, I need to write this down. Okay. Wait, hold how on. do I spell that name? Yeah. And, and if that goes on too long, like, you know, people will start getting upset or bored or they'll lose focus or, you know, it can, it can go sideways real fast. So yeah, totally like bite-sized chunks. And it's, you know, it's the, um, it kind of goes to the, the old trope of, you know, a character 
being surprised by uh, certain information that comes out about another character that they're involved with. They're like, how come you didn't tell me about blank? And the person's like, well, you didn't ask. And that's, that's a, that can be a nice way to kind of check yourself. If you're the GM from going a bit over the top by just going, okay, what, what did the players actually ask for? And am I just answering that question? Or am I going, here's the answer to that question and a whole bunch more. Right. right. And we can be very excited to share. Oh, totally. And, and, and I think that we have to re Yeah. Yeah. Totally understandably. But sometimes, especially if we feel like the expert, you know, we would like to overshare and, and it can end up being more selfish than productive. Mm. And yeah. so it, but it's also a thing where, you know, I, no, no, not at all. But it, you know, you're just trying to express something that you love to somebody else. And, yeah. and there's even vulnerability in that, that you can totally appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. But it would be better in my opinion to hold off and allow information to set in and to be learned and, and to sort of marinate. Yeah. Okay. Well, and so anything, anything you learn practically through experience, um, even if it's history, like if you somehow get, you know, stuck in the middle of a situation that's very similar to a historical event that happened in your game setting. Um, and then you later find out like, Oh, this situation was almost like a reincarnation of this major past historical event. You now have some major context and, you know, frame of reference. Then you'll now also have a much better appreciation for that historical event that you're hearing about instead of, you know, oh, you know, some sage in a library is just telling me about this. And I yes. I am not entirely sure why I need to know or what I can do with that information or whatever. So one nice thing about at least the D20 system is that at its at its core, you're adding a bonus to a 20 roll to beat a target number. Right. You know, and that is just about it. Yeah. So, you know, once they have that concept down, like if they can do a skill, there's only like one more step to do an attack. Yep. Right. Okay. Now let's resolve damage. That's what all these other dice are here for. Yeah. Right. And that's easy. Yeah. You know, and you can, you know, it, it does take longer for people to wrap their brain around this because I think that they look at the character sheet. It can be and daunting. It's, it's daunting. Yeah. And, and people can overthink and they look at it and they go, oh my gosh, you know, there's so many things here, mm -hmm. but at its core, it's roll 20 at a bonus. Yep. You know, did I get the magic number? Yes or no. Yep. And, and, and that's about it. And I would encourage you as a, a GM to do this anyway, but particularly for new players, but to play with partial success and partial failure. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit more like if they miss by one, what can you give them? Yeah. Right. And then that can result in some interesting uh, il illustration. You know, I had a, a GM do this recently where, um, you know, the fighter rolled an attack that was like one under the armor class and he had missed last round. Mm -hmm. and, and he said, okay, you hit, 
but you overextend to land the hit, leaving you vulnerable on the next attack, right? right? So you basically gave him a reckless swing for free. Yeah. Right? Which was not game-breaking. It allowed him to keep having fun. It added some some drama to the scenario. And so that that worked great, you know? Yeah. Or I, I think he had another scenario where somebody had to uh, do some sort of like um, spell save. Oh, no. Someone had to save against their spell, I think. And it learned and the failure that the player had turned into gaining a little bit of exposition. It turned mm. into, well, the dark forces push against it. And you get the sense that, you know, and, and it turned into, okay, you didn't get the spell off, but you learned some information. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of really good arguments to be made for, um, for looking at a yeah. failed role as, just a different kind of success. Like I even heard about uh, recently um, the example was a guy's picking a lock to try to break into this place. And he, he fails like not, not by a little either. Like the role is, it was a rough role, but they're like, okay, you still pick the lock, but something about picking the lock made a, bigger noise than you might have liked and you notice that like you start hearing footsteps coming your way so instead of going oh you just can't progress or you have to come up with something else it's like no you you still did what you're trying to do but the situation has now gotten more dicey and and that right there it gets much more engaging like oh, I'll, I'll particularly do this if I tell someone to make a check and then I realize that I shouldn't have asked for the check because either it should mm. be trivial or because I need them to succeed. Right. Which is an easy trap to find yourself in. Oh, Because totally. sometimes we say make a check just because you're trying to come up with an answer and like you're basically stalling. For and me, then it's go, always just a, a reflex for Somebody's trying to do something. And right. Yeah. There's just that the default. Yeah. And then they fail and you're like, oh, I didn't actually have a plan for if they failed. So then you go, you succeed, but, and then that's yeah. pretty good. And that keeps things uh, moving and it makes, it, it gives the dice a little bit more drama because I have noticed in some games in the past that if you didn't roll like a total of 15 on something, people would basically assume they failed. Yeah. Right? And that can actually hurt your drama a little bit and make the game a little too crunchy. And then they mm -hmm. start trying to push numbers as opposed to doing what they want to do. Yeah. Which is which is a, a scary place. But anyway, kind of getting back to the, the concept of teaching, I think that the main takeaways are simplify the system way um, scaffold in your information, you know, introduce complexity as players desire it. Yeah. Uh, try to bake your tutorial into the narrative as much as possible. By the way, video games do this amazingly. Oh, I um, love good video game tutorials. Yeah, particularly Western games, because uh, I find um, Eastern games still tend to dialogue box you a lot. Yeah. Uh, particularly when we're talking about RPGs. Um, it's a lot know, of a, information. A lot of time, the first level in a game is go 
stand over here. Good job. Now look yep. up. And they try to explain a narrative reason why that's happening. Like in uh, Portal 2, your character just like basically woke up from a coma. So they have to do like, okay, look up and down. Okay, good. Your brain's working. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know? I I think one of my favorite tutorials now that I now that I think about it was I want to I think it was Fallout 3 where you start out cuz in especially in shooters like there there's kind of a standard progression of how you start engaging with the game like okay first move your mouse to look around or use use the stick now engage another stick to actually physically move yourself instead of just pivoting the camera now here's how you jump here's how you crouch like there's all these it's a, it's a very kind of step by step thing and i think fallout 3 was the one where when you start the game you are actually being you're an infant being born like the first shot is like the bright white light and you're seeing a doctor's face above you and stuff and then it cuts to basically your your perspective is like a foot off the floor and you're a little baby and it has you look around like a baby's like learning how to look around and then you start moving slowly as you're crawling and it just had this really terrific kind of connection between the actions you were doing mechanically as a player and what was happening in the game. There was this really nice marriage between it all. And the idea of the tutorial, like, you know, when you're supposed to be this, you know, big capable adventurer and stuff, the idea that you don't know how to do, you know, basic things and stuff can feel kind of disjointed Strange. Uh, or a little bit dissonant. But if someone says, okay, you're playing a baby, then immediately you're like, oh, of course I'm just learning how to walk. And I think even it even goes from like your characters crawling for a little bit and then it cuts to you're like a year older and you're just taking your first steps. And as you move the stick, the child that you're playing doesn't even move totally smoothly. It kind of teeters a little bit and stuff, and it feels unstable. And then as you walk a little more, it stabilizes more. And you even are getting these visual indicators of like you're kind of getting that teetering movement a lot. And then it's lessening where you're getting this feedback that makes you feel like you're actually learning. It's like, oh, I can right. tell I'm getting better at working. Right. And it's yeah, we got it. really yeah. wonderfully done. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. So I, I love stuff like that. Fable also does something similar where you start the game as like a child. Yeah, that's um, right. Um, some games have your character regress for some reason. And mm -hmm. then you're building back like both uh, KOTOR games essentially do that. Mm. You know, um, in the first game, you you are Darth Revan, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but you don't remember <laughs> that you are. Mm. And so, you know, and you, your ship's under attack. You're feeling weak, you know, all that stuff. So there's, you know, sometimes they explain it that way. 
so if you still want players to feel amazing and epic, but for some reason they don't know the game, you know, like this is a good explanation. Mm-hmm. I, it's also, I think, a reason why Bethesda starts every game where you're a prisoner. Yeah. Right. Because it explains why your cool character doesn't have anything. Yeah. And their skills have atrophied. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, some sometimes you can you can also just hand wave it or <laughs> you can also just hand wave it. You know, but, you can also just do the opposite of everything we just said. You know, well, <laughs> so, sometimes you just you just want to dive in and, you know, because working it in like that can be it can be really tricky. Um, so, you know, definitely don't don't break your backs trying to like, oh, I have to make the perfect tutorial. Um, but if you can do it well, it can make a world of difference. This is, by the way, this is part of the reason why I'm actually not a fan of starting D&D at a higher level mm. um, that much. But I am a big fan of leveling quickly. Mm. Um, and this is something I want to start implementing more in my games is leveling up quickly. Mm. But, um, in you know, I, I think we've said this before in past discussions is that those first couple of levels are basically tutorials. Oh yeah, you know? 1 to 3. Definitely. Yeah, 1 to 3 is basically tutorial mode. 3 is like when you become an actual adventurer, at least in 5th edition. Mm-hmm. Because many of the classes get their subclass at level 3 and that's when you really start to define what you can do. Yeah. Which is part of the reason why I wish it was that way for every class cuz I think that would make the game a, uniform in a good way, not a not a bad way. Sure. Um you know, I, I mean, I get that a cleric, you know, it makes sense for them to have a domain right away. But I mean, do they super need it? You know, it might be okay to expect them to go through something. And, you know, I like that my paladin had to take a formal oath, right? And that it happened in game. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this is something I, I did with uh, with my family where they rescued this NPC. The NPC took them to the training yard and... And uh, help them get from level two to level three because they needed like, I think it's 70 experience points or something. Mm. There was like, wasn't much left. And what, like one character was a druid and she's a druid. So they were like, oh, I'm going to, which circle do you want to belong to? And I will teach you the the starting version of each of them, you know, mm. and how to unlock your, your hidden potential, right? And uh, so that was cool. And then someone else was, well, I'm, I'm a rogue. I don't have any magic. She's like, well, I'll teach you how to walk like a cat. Right. There you go. And that, you know, something like that. Yeah. So uh, I guess it was getting from level one to two. Cause yeah, he got cunning action. Whereas mm. the druid got their circle. I think it was still, uh, that's, but that's it, very cool. So yeah, it was, it was pretty neat um, to do it that way. So I think the, the last thing and we, that we, the big point we were basically making is, is try to um, just get them in there, right? Just get yep. their hands dirty. Yep. Get them playing. But I, I'm not sure, I, you know, and I know a lot of people would, would kind of roll their eyes a lot of this and say, just throw them in the deep end of the pool because that's the way I learned. Yeah. You know, and listen, if you're like going to learn this game anyway, and you're like motivated, you bought the book and you didn't know what was in it, but you knew you were going to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Like, that's that's fine for you, right? But for the person that might be a little bit more apprehensive, if you want to get like someone that that you like to play the game, whom 
this might not be their first option for a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, the I think these rules can be very helpful. Yeah, I think so too. Because if there's one thing we like, it's more folks in the hobby. And, you know, smacking someone in the face with a player's handbook is a good way to get them to not come back to the table. Um, and it's, you know, it, it can be a lot. And, and I, and I say this knowing full well that I have pretty much done that exact thing to people many times. And I always feel bad after. And, you know, it, you want to. Well, part of it is that you're excited, right? Yeah, of course. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, like we, like we said earlier in the episode, you, you want to just remember what's important. What's important is who are you and what do I need to know to, to try things? That's it. Once you deal with the specifics, when the specifics come up and you get them in there fast. And like you said, get their hands dirty. Just let them, let them mess with stuff. And then they'll get it because they've tried to do it. They'll learn what works and what doesn't work because they tried it. Experience yes. is the best teacher. Get it really real, is. Real life XP. <laughs> real life in our fantasy game. That's right. <laughs> and, and this is all how we show love to our new, <laughs> to our new players. There it is. There it is. Getting back on brand. Well, I think it is important, though, because you need to think about their needs more than than your immediate need to share it. Right. Yeah. So and it's easy to get carried away. But, you know, you just we got to check ourselves sometimes. Well, yeah, you might like the girl, but don't chuck a ring at her the first time you see her and start screaming. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's a girl out there that that totally works for. She's like, that's what I'm looking for boldness where have you been my entire life oh but we are we are definitely over time and i haven't had dinner yet and i'm so hungry Um, (laughs) (laughs) i need to go get some food and uh it's getting late yeah go do that so thank you everybody for listening um in particular we want to say thank you to our ever loyal patrons who supported us over at Patreon. So a big thank you to Spike and Logan. And uh, if you'd like to get your name on the show, just like those two wonderful gentlemen, head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and support us at the $5 level, as well as a shout out on the episodes. You'll also be able to vote on different things when we do polls be able to submit mailbag questions, and you'll get access to our private Discord community. If you're feeling super inspired and want to game with us, support us at the $100 level, uh, and Adam will run a custom campaign just for you and anyone else who decides to join at that epic tier. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you found us. And if this is your first time listening, be sure to download and check out our other episodes from season one. You should also be able to find us on most other major podcast platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. And if you listen via iTunes or any other platform that lets you leave reviews, please be sure to leave us a five-star review and tell us what you think. Write to us. We love to read. 
the things that you write to us. And you can find our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirationpointpodcast. And we're on Twitter at IPRPGcast. So, all that rigmarole out of the way, welcome everybody to 2021. And uh, how about make your New Year's resolution this year to stay inspired? Bye! Bye! Bye. <laughs>